Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you've been listening, you know that this is really the place where the most incredible but true stories of success unfold. And, and we want them to be ones that kind of leave you shaking your head thinking, is this person real? Did this really happen? Well, yes, they are, and yes, it did. You know, this marks the 75th anniversary of the June 6, 1944 D-Day invasion of Normandy, France, mm. where Britain, the United States, and Canada secretly planned and pulled off the largest seaborne invasion in history. And it was really a move that would eventually lead to the victory over and the extinguishing of Germany and the Nazis' effort to, well, take over the world. D-Day involved some of the greatest displays of bravery ever recorded. So it is most appropriate then that you meet James Byler. Um, James is a 33-year-old stock trader at Barclays, the British banking giant. They have massive operations in midtown Manhattan, and, and he's running the place. He's, 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 he's one of their top, top traders. But, you know, James, the Wall Street trader, hardly completes the whole picture. I am honored to have James Byler here for Everyone Talks to Liz. Hi, James. Hi. Thank you. I found some statistics that go from about 2003 to 2014 from Iraq and Afghanistan, war military casualties. According to this organization, Congressional Research Service, 1,558 soldiers have had either traumatic or surgical amputations. 7,224 suffered severe brain injuries. Yeah. You did not. Nope. You're walking down a dusty alleyway, mm -hmm. and there's a skirmish. Yeah, yeah. Describe yeah. what happened. Um, so anytime there's um, gunfire and your senior commanders get a report of uh, troops in contact, um, you know, they want more information. They want to know what's going on. And uh, as the senior man in the platoon, um, I'm the guy holding the radio, and I'm talking over it trying to explain to the COC what's going on, giving them updates. Um, and at this point in time, a, a number of my Marines and Afghans had run down this kind of long alleyway um, in pursuit of an enemy. And as being aggressive as they're supposed to be, um, I caught up with them, uh, gotten them to sort of stop and, you know, let's recalibrate, refocus, let's coordinate a little bit, you know? Um, don't just go running off into, you know... Yeah. Putting everyone else at risk. Um, so at this point in time, um, I'm talking on the radio, um, getting bearings of the you know terrain environment that we're in. And somehow in this process, I don't I don't exactly remember because it kind of rocked me pretty hard what precisely happened. But um, I had stopped off the beaten trail that um, I had just walked down and everyone else had just ran down. But like. Several of us had run by this place, um, and, you know, I just one false step off the beaten path, and, um, you know, that's that's all it took. That's all it takes. Um, you know, one bad step, and, you know, you're a casualty. You know, it's a, it's a very unforgiving environment, and, um, 
you know, the next thing I knew, I'm laying in a cloud of dust. I, I never went unconscious the entire time. Was really? Cut. Yeah, yeah. I remember the whole thing, dude. Like, it, some guys, they, they step on IEDs and they come back to consciousness in uh, Walter Reed, you know, back in the States days later. Um, I call them lucky. You're better off that way. Um, I remember laying on my side, um, looking at my hands, my wrists, um, feeling for my legs and just kind of feeling bloody stumps. Um, I, I remember that. Um, I remember seeing like my pinky hanging off the end by like a thread. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, this is getting a little graphic. And is that okay? Cool. Well, it's real. <laughs> um, but I remember looking at all these things and like just, damn it, James, you stepped on one, didn't you? <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know. Um, but yeah. Who saved so. you? Uh, so there were two Marines, um, close by me. Um, there was Lieutenant Dorsey and, uh, Lance Corporal Matthew Brome, um, who neither one of them were medics, neither one of them were specialists, but, um, everyone had been trained in combat lifesaver. Everyone knew how to do basic first aid. Everyone knew how to put on tourniquets because the fact of the matter is, you know, you only have so many corpsmen to go around and anyone at any point can get injured and you, you all have to know how to do this. Mm -hmm. So these Marines who are not specialists in, you know, life-saving necessarily um, were the first on the scene. They immediately got to work because if you don't have someone doing this and within like a few minutes, like call it two minutes and you've severed both your arteries, you, you can bleed out and that's it. You're gone. Um so these guys very quickly um, got tourniquets on me. They got bandages on me. Are they talking to you? Are you saying anything? Uh, not really. I'm, I'm still kind of a little um, – I'm a little rocked. I'm a little out of it. Could so you I'm hear? Not... Because the blasts yeah, are loud. Yeah, I could hear everything. Um, okay. I could hear them talking. I could hear their voices. Um, I. So then uh, – you know, it, it, I very slowly kind of came back to cognition as time went on, um, and I kind of realized what exactly was going on. Um, and I remember there was one Afghan soldier with us who I made eye contact with, and um, we, we were up kind of a narrow alley, so we, we couldn't get our vehicles up there. And it's, you know, we're maybe like 100 yards up this alleyway. And so it's like, all right, well, we're going to have to carry this guy all the way back to the main road to, to medically evacuate him. Um, it's like, so... <laughs> This Afghan soldier, somehow there's like a 10-year-old kid with a wheelbarrow full of veggies coming back from the market, coming right by us. And uh, to the it, this was just normal. This was just normal reality to, to the people living here, this, this sort of violence just continuously going on. And he just runs up to the kid, dumps out the wheelbarrow of vegetables, takes the wheelbarrow, runs it over to us. And then they put me in the wheelbarrow. To, to get me down the alleyway quick enough to a vehicle so that they could you know, medically evacuate me out of here. Was there any hope that they could reattach something? No. no oh, way. God, no. This the, My legs were blown. I don't know. No one ever saw them again. Um, you know, battleground medicine has advanced so much so that soldiers who suffer these traumatic amputations like you did, uh, they would have died during World War II or the Korean War, but they're now surviving. Oh, even 15 years ago. I, really? No, no way I would have lived. Fifteen years ago, I would have not have lived. Desert storms, just, they weren't able to do? No. Uh, even Iraq in 2003, 2004, I, I wouldn't have made it. Absolutely not. It's just our, our processes and procedures, our technology, the, the skill of everyone from 
you know, the the first Marine on the scene to the to the surgeon who was in the helicopter picking me up. Um, just it was such a well-oiled machine. Our combat medevacuate evacuation mm-hmm. process. It's incredible. Your story is one that needs to be told again and again. And I'm so grateful, James, that you told it here on Everyone Talks to Liz. Captain James Byler, Marine and badass on the trading floor. I'm okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. It's kind of ironic that with the recent backdrop of the college admissions cheating scandal where You know, wealthy parents paid exorbitant amounts to cheat on admissions test scores in order to get their kids into these fancy colleges that the woman at the center of the success story we're about to tell you never went to college. She grew up in Amish country in Lancaster, Pennsylvania in the 1960s. And yes, yes, her parents drove a horse and buggy. Please welcome Ann Byler, the founder of Auntie Ann's Pretzels. Hi, Anne. Hello, Liz. Great to be on your show. Thank you. I am a massive fangirl. That's all I have to say. (laughs) You go through this this very difficult time with your husband, but you reconcile. And by then, he being what has to be one of the most generous, wonderful people on planet Earth, wants to be a marriage counselor for free to the Amish community. So you get to step up and say, all right, somebody's got to make money here for the family. That's right. Yes. Yes. You've read my story. (laughs) What happened? Yeah. So it's out of our pain. Our purpose was created. And uh, to all of your listeners out there today, you know, there's many people listening, I'm sure, that are in deep pain and at the end of their themselves and, and wonder, can I even go on, you know, and I can relate to that, but uh, hold on because there, there's a better day coming. And um, I I would never have dreamed that out of our pain, we would actually find a purpose for living. And, but that's what happened. And, and it it came about because I I really felt like um, as I disclosed my secret to my husband, um, the whole story of forgiveness it just amazes me. And, but that's what happened. And he loved me and never once accused me or made me feel guilty or bad. And because of that, um, that's why we're together today. And he, through studying um, theology, um, counseling, human behavior, um, he understood better what was happening to us. And he decided that he will do the same for other couples free of charge. And that's uh, that's what happened. And I, I went to work for the first time to support our family. Well, you didn't just go to work. You wanted to do something about which you knew something. And that was certainly cooking and baking. That's right. <laughs> and you bought a little farm stand, correct, that was making mm-hmm. pretzels and pizza. That's right. But where'd you get the money for that? Because you guys didn't have a lot of money. No, we had no money. Uh, we had we had $25 at that at that moment, $25 cash, no savings, no credit cards, nothing. And uh, we were offered the store and we needed $6,000. And we, we listen, I mean, when we heard about the store, uh, our initial thought was, wow, we could never afford that. Mm-hmm. But as time, as we talked to the owners and they gave us the price and my husband said to me, hon, I think my dad will give us the money for that. So we went to his dad, who was also an Amish guy, but he also had, he was a wealthy Amish man. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he, he loaned us the money and we set up shop for a $6,000 with a $6,000 loan, faith in God, 
uh, a lot of, uh, we're just thrilled with the opportunity. Uh, it was amazing that we actually had this opportunity to do uh, our own, have our own business. It okay. was a miracle. Doors open in 1988. What happens? What was the foot traffic like? How nervous were you? What were you selling? Tell me, tell me. (laughs) I was so nervous and I didn't know anything about business. We never owned a market or never owned a business before. Uh, But there was one thing that was instilled into me and that was to work hard and to love people. And to bake a very to to bake a good product, mm-hmm. uh, I, I learned that at home. If I make a good pie or bake some good cookies or cake or whatever, the family always raved about it. And I knew when I had a good product. And so, uh, we went to this uh, farmers market and we began to work on a on this soft pretzel that was already there. And uh, it, it really wasn't the best uh, recipe. <laughs> and one day I was going to take it down. Uh, we had ice cream, pizza, and pretzels. And uh, I was very unhappy with the pretzels. And my husband (laughs) said, before you take it off the menu, let me go to the store and let me add some ingredients that I think might make the recipe better. And I'm like, well, whatever, just do whatever you can. But I'm I'm done with pretzels. We'll do pizza and ice cream. (laughs) And uh, so he went to the store and I'm I'm pouting because the product was terrible. And he came back and we added some ingredients to the existing recipe that we had. And it was miraculous. I will always tell people, Auntie Anne's, the product itself was a was a modern day business miracle, and Auntie Anne's was created uh, just to to bless people. Uh, there was a greater plan that that was beyond our control. It seemed like at the time. Well, it it actually weaves into the origins of the pretzel. Absolutely, you know, first pretzel created by an Italian monk in the seventh century, mm-hmm. and and this is what I learned, and you tell me. He twisted scraps of dough to make them look like arms folded in prayer. That's correct. And, and the, the holes in the pretzel represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the salt that it's salted with means that we are the salt of the earth. And back in the day, it was called a pretiola, a Latin word meaning a little reward. So Auntie Anne is all about... Pretiola, meaning a little reward for every customer that comes mm-hmm. to the counter. They need a little reward. Well, it's fascinating, isn't it, that from mm-hmm. such sorrow mm-hmm. comes this incredible business mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. journey that you've been on. And I am so inspired and so grateful. And I know our listeners mm. absolutely have been mm. changed by this story. Mm. And thank you. Yes. Thank you, Liz, for having me. And just want to say in closing, all things are possible with faith and hard work. Amen. That's my my story. I'm sticking to it. That's your story. You're sticking to it. And here at Everyone Talks to Liz, we like to end by saying, nobody gets to see a rainbow without seeing a little rain first. Oh, wow. How true. Thank you. How true. What a joy it's been for me. Come visit us in New York if you ever get here, Anne. I would love to. And um, bring free samples. Thanks. (laughs) I'll do that. I'll bring bring you a pretzel, okay? I'll take it. Butter and salt. Anne Byler, the founder, the brilliance behind Auntie Anne's Pretzels. We thank Mm. you so much. And thank you for listening to Everyone Talks to Liz. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.